it, it's kind of like what what happened to Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker. Like like we're, we're <laughs> no get out of here laughing and turning into this sad clown right before our eyes. We're now hearing all the talk that oh Haskins wasn't really grooming or the coaching staff yeah. choice at quarterback. And it's just like well that's that's great. That's what we all need right now to hear that the future wasn't really the pick of the coach. On this episode of Against the Grain, we're going to talk Washington Redskins and who better to do it than a comedian and a sports media writer. Oh, yeah. Let's go. We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Against the grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Welcome to Against the Grain. Big news in the NFL, of course, when we came in Monday morning was that the Washington Redskins fired head coach Jay Gruden. Uh, No huge surprise. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was to talk football with my friends. And we all have this, uh, I'm sure, including you, Mario, the producer, friends who are really into a team and hit you up all Sunday long on what that team's doing. I have a lot of friends who are Redskins fans, and they just mercilessly hit me all year long. Oh, the Redskins stink. Two of them, one of them is a uh, sports media writer for the Wall Street Journal named Joe Flint, who actually I want to talk more about sports media and less about the Redskins, but I'll let him vent. Another is a very funny comedian named Mark Ellis, who's had a lot of success. And, you know, I'd say the only downside of his life as it currently stands is his love of the Washington Redskins. So we're going to get their take on the Redskins. Now, I've seen a lot of Redskins this year. Uh, I, of course, as you guys know, I wrote a book with Case Keenum, so I go out to see Case play a lot. He signed with the Redskins this offseason. I was nervous about it uh, because the team isn't great. But then he got there, and the team just got worse and worse and worse because of injuries. So he basically was trying to win with an offense that didn't have Trent Williams at left tackle, eventually didn't have Brandon Sheriff at right tackle, uh, didn't really have any receivers to start with. Then they lost their only good one was rookie Terry McLaurin. Of course, Jordan Reed was never able to play. Uh, and even if he did able, was able to play, he only lasts a game or two. Very injury prone, their tight end. So they have Vernon Davis and Adrian Peterson, which is great if you, the year 2011, but nothing was going to happen in 2019 with them. So Case was kind of in a tough spot, hurt his foot uh, after, I believe it was week three, Got it out, tried to gut it out week four. Did not work. Got pulled for Dwayne Haskins. But then the Redskins came back with Colt McCoy, who was terrible against the Patriots. Completely not Colt's fault. You know, he's coming off an injury. So it's one of the messiest teams in the league. But uh, I actually was thinking back. I'm like, I should have called Case. And what do you think of this, Mario? I should have called him in July. Or no, I guess it was May. I said, do not sign with the Redskins. This is not going to go well. If you were a Colt McCoy or a Case Keenum or even a Dwayne Haskins, would you rather be a backup on a really good team, say the Eagles or the Chiefs, or would you rather be the starter on a team that is doomed like the Redskins? Backup, 100 days out of 100 days. So um, if you were Case Keenum, you would rather be the backup with a really, really good team? Yeah, because, I mean, look at the state of the NFL right now. Anything can happen. Yeah. You know, you can come in. I mean, Big Ben's out, right? The backup. Yes. Mason Rudolph's now out, backup. Mahomes, you don't know, that sprained ankle. So any given day you can come in and play, right? So I'd rather be winning, you know, contributing to some kind of winning effort than just being to blame for, you know, a really crappy right. team. You know, and it, it just gets worse and worse. Uh, you know, you look around the NFL, 
Devlin Hodges is going to be starting next week for the Steelers. <laughs> and they pulled up Paxton Lynch off the practice squad. I'm like, I didn't even know they had Paxton Lynch on the, the practice squad. It is an unbelievable situation. And it's only through week five. By week, you know, and then they're going to expand the regular season, have even more games. You basically, you want to be second string. And of course, Case Keenum had his great season in Minnesota, I believe. And I got to check this. He was third string coming into that. He fought with Taylor Heineke to get that job, beat him out. Then Sam Bradford was hurt, and Teddy Bridgewater Teddy, wasn't yeah. ready. So then Case Keenum had a sort of like an MVP-like season with Minnesota, and now he's he went to Washington. That didn't work. Colt McCoy, I don't think that's going to work. Honestly, and I said this in August, man, Dwayne Haskins better watch out because this could be a Josh Rosen situation. If they lose to Miami this week, then they have a really good chance of having the number one pick. If you're the Redskins and you have a new coach, who knows, maybe eventually a new GM. Do you look at the quarterbacks in this year's draft? If, if Tua is that good or Justin Herbert is that good and he's sitting there, do you have to consider it? I mean, I doubt it. I think Dwayne Haskins is okay. But a new coach, you never know. It's an odd situation. If the Cardinals are going to turn away from Josh Rosen after one year, maybe the Redskins will do it. Do you think that's completely outlandish? Uh, a bit. I, I mean, especially looking at this year's draft, there's so many skill positions. I feel like the Redskins need so much at this point. Right, but you... You, you got a quarterback. You're not going to take a running back in the first round. You, you know, a lot the, of receivers. The wide receivers are loaded, but they're so loaded, you're going to get a great one in the second round. Mm-hmm. Why would you take one up there? And you know, there are some good defensive players. Obviously, they desperately need help at every. Their defense everything. has been quietly yeah. terrible. They need everything. So, if I was them, I would trade up with the team who wants to trade down rather with a mm-hmm. team that wants a quarterback. Um, real quick, we're going to get to the guests in a second. I I had a pretty hot week picking games actually. On my SI show, I, I pick games, and usually I get uh, the Thursday night game wrong every week. <laughs> but I got the Rams-Seahawks at a pick em. This was done on the Tuesday before. Then it went to Seahawks. The, here's my issue with that game, and I'm going back a week. Everyone like basically judges at Russell Wilson's the MVP, the Rams, we don't know. If Greg's Airlines field goal went in for the Rams, then the whole narrative of that division has totally changed. Football it's a game that defies analysis. It's just a little bounce here and a little bounce there. And it's somewhat ridiculous how we judge week to week. And it's somewhat ridiculous how we make these player analysis that just don't fit. It's a team game and the ball bounce is funny. There's so many games, even this week where the ball bounces one way or the other. And, you know, you see fumbles return that completely determine the outcome. For example, the Ravens Steelers game, Juju Smith Schuster fumbles at the end. That takes such a weird bounce. The Ravens get it and win the game. Uh, now the Ravens, are, you know, have a great chance in the AFC North. But if they had lost that game, it would have been trouble. Uh, a couple other games coming in. I was, I was saying to people like, "There's no way the Redskins cover against the Patriots." Then the Redskins come out like a house on fire in defense, pressure Tom Brady all game long. But then they had no offense, lost thirty-three-seven. The other surefire bet was the Cardinals against the Bengals. I, you know, I'm also an Andy Dalton fan and. Man, the Bengals are not going to win a lot of games. Their defense is so bad. Their linebackers are so bad. It came down, it was 23-23, and I think the announcers nailed it. They're like, Kyler Murray's just going to run for a first down whenever they're in trouble. And that's exactly <laughs> what he did. Ran down the field. They got an easy field goal. Zach Taylor, still winless with Cincinnati. He gads. I hope he's not one and done because I like him. But uh, Arizona in the win column. You're looking at me funny about the Bengals. What do you want to say? Maybe, maybe that'll be a candidate. Maybe the Redskins will... Uh... You know, the, the Bengals will trade up to get a quarterback. They need one desperately, Trade right? up. Trade up their 0-5. Where no, no. I mean, beat, but how about the Redskins beat them out for uh, a top pick? 
Well, we'll see. It's interesting. The big test for the Bengals, will they trade A.J. Green, who's still hurt, uh, but could come back. I don't know if he comes back if they're winless. It's not worth it for him. Or do they deal him? That's interesting. You know, he sort of feels like a Patriot. The Patriots offense needs something. They look a little bit, you know, they haven't played anyone, so it's hard to tell, but they mm-hmm. seem to miss Gronk. So I think that's interesting. You think we're seeing the last of Dalton? No, I don't. I think, first of all, you know, Dalton, he's not the problem there. They're six, he's six in the league in passing yards. You don't think they'll move on from him after this year? That's what everyone else thinks. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a good chance, but it, trust me, he's not the problem. Talk about a team that has needs. They were the worst defense in the league last year, and they added nobody, and they're quietly even worse. Their linebackers are so bad. But like Dalton, okay. Dalton was 27-38, 262, two touchdowns yesterday. There were five clear drops in the first half alone. He's putting it all in guys' hands. They're just the receivers are so awful. Look at the guys he's throwing to. Uh, Damian Willis, Auden Tate, who dropped his first two passes, including a touchdown. Uh, CJ Ozuma is okay at tight end. They couldn't get Eifert in the mix. Alex Arison had a big drop. Boyd? Boyd is really good. Yeah. But he's first not a true number one. Uh, but nobody, if anyone's still listening, the, anyone wants to hear the Bengals and Redskins <laughs> breakdown, to me, the, the, mo- <laughs> the most exciting game of the weekend was Houston, Deshaun Watson, and Will Fuller. I am all there for Deshaun Watson. Oh, my God. He is so, when he's on and he's not getting sacked all the time, he is probably my favorite quarterback to watch. It's just so gorgeous, and he always wants to make a play. So I'm a big Deshaun Watson fan. A couple of other games, the Daniel Jones uh, bandwagon. I'm not off it. I still like it. He threw one really beautiful touchdown pass, but they got destroyed by the Vikings. Dalvin Cook, who's been leading my fantasy teams all year long, couldn't get in from the one-yard line. I'm not mad. Uh, <laughs> and a couple other headlines that came out. Eagles 31-6. I know the director of the Red Zone channel on DirecTV. Mm-hmm. He did not go to that game once in the entire second half. You know, they show the touchdowns from every game. You're talking, yeah. He can just can we say his name? Yes, Bill no Wagner. I I sent him a note in the middle of Sunday. I'm like, how come you're not going back to the Eagles Jets at any time? <laughs> and he's like, this is the least competitive game. He happens to be a Jets fan. Yeah, yeah. So that was a joke. The London game was exactly what we thought it wasn't going to be. Khalil Mack didn't make Shut the trip. Up. I can't believe that. I thought the the Bears were kind of come back and win that game. A lot of credit to Oakland. Obviously, I'm a Big fan of Josh Jacobs, who, Me if too. you recall, I uh, went on a helicopter ride with in April, and he is the coolest dude. Can't help but root for him. Uh, one more note, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, you know, the most controversial player in the NFL is is not Antonio Brown. It's not uh, Jalen Ramsey. It is Taysom Hill, the Saints quarterback. <laughs> Came in there, had a beautiful 18-yard pass. Now, Teddy Bridgewater played great, too. Really, really good. Uh, he looks awesome, but... Why can't Taysom Hill be a quarterback in the NFL? I ask this question, and people look at me like it's the dumbest question in the world. Yes, I know he's not a classic passer. His stats at BYU were terrible, his passing stats. Is it possible? Say Teddy got nicked up and Drew Brees wasn't ready. I feel okay with Taysom Hill quarterback. I want to see it. I know that's a super hot take, and I'm kind of being half kidding, but the guy is so talented at everything he does. He contributes to too many other parts of the field. I mean, you, he can't beat your gunner and then, you know, run out there at first down. Like, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. <laughs> there was a game last year where he threw a bomb that landed perfectly in the guy's hands and there was like a holding or something. Then the next play, he beat a safety and, and Drew Brees found him long. It is, I feel like he's like the Shohei Itani of the NFL and nobody talks about it because people get so mad when Drew Brees comes off the field. But speaking of mad, I, I think it's time to get into the Redskins. Uh, we're going to talk... To uh, again, Wall Street Journal's Joe Flint, who is a lifelong 
Redskins fan can talk to us a little bit about the business aspect of it too, because there are no Washington fans in the stands there. And it is a quite a disaster. I also want to talk about all these penalties and the flow of the game. And if it's possibly in the long term going to affect the ratings of the NFL. And then again, we're going to talk to comedian Mark Ellis, who I will give the opportunity to shred his franchise. It's, hmm. it's the right time and the right place for that. All right, let's get started. Joe Flynn from the Wall Street Journal. All right, Joe, how long have you been a Redskins fan and how many championships did you actually get to enjoy before everything went south? Well, I became a fan around 1978 when my family moved to to the to DC and uh, I was lucky. I caught the tail end of uh, of Allen and Jack Pardee had a good year and then of course the Gibbs glory year. So you know, I got I got spoiled. I got spoiled early with three Super Bowl championships and, and a great team. And it's been a rough uh, nearly 30 years since. It feels like that's a problem with Redskins fans. Like they had it so good for so long that this like recent struggles feels worse for them. Not only that, you have all these big name free agents who come in and sort of bomb. So the combination of like expectations and Daniel Snyder and everything, it's just felt kind of toxic for a long time. It's been really depressing. I mean, I, I think, honestly, going back to look, uh, whatever, you know, Jack Kent Cook was never going to win Humanitarian of the Year, but he knew how to run a football team or how to get people to run his football team. And I think the hope was that his son would take over and continue that tradition. And then, you know, we got the Danny. And, yeah, it's been downhill ever since. You'd think after all these years, he he'd – look at his mistakes and see what he's doing wrong and figure out how to do the opposite. But it's just not, not the case. And we're still seeing it now. We're now hearing all the talk that, Oh, Haskins wasn't really grooming or the coaching staff yeah. choice at quarterback. And just like, well, that's, that's great. That's what we all need right now to hear that the future wasn't really the pick of the coach. From a business standpoint, does it matter long-term like big picture that the you know the fans aren't showing up this season which is bad and maybe a few years now is there like real concern in the front office or is that just does that go up and down with how the team's doing i i think there should be concern it's been a downhill trend for the last few years and i you know especially now you know in washington for so many years it was a redskins uh, town sure the bullets had some good years when when they were the bullets uh but there wasn't baseball the caps weren't much and now of course hey the, the caps are great the nationals are are you know contending the redskins are are an afterthought and that's just really hard believe and the Washington market for all the transient nature of the DC market just from the way people move in and out in politics there was this very loyal hardcore DC native fan base there that is, they're just losing more and more of every year and it's it's kind of sad and they, they should be worried they should be embarrassed that a Patriots game you know at home feels like it was played in New England yesterday you know, looking around the NFL, this isn't the only team, by the way, that has opposing fans sitting in the crowd. In fact, there's some games where you're like, wait, who's cheering for who? But does the NFL care? It, you know, you cover the TV side of the league very closely. Does it really matter who's going to the games? Is attendance a major factor? It feels like the real big, big money is in all this TV and streaming money. Certainly the big money and the business is is television rights. But if I'm the NFL... 
I want a strong team in Washington. Uh, it's an important market. It's still a big market, and you want the local ratings to be good. And that's not the case anymore. So I do think I do think it matters. I do think when te- you know you want to turn on a te- team and see that they're making a good effort and have good product on the field. Okay, speaking of the product, your your cohort at the Wall Street Journal, Jason Gay, tweeted this yesterday. I want to get your thoughts. The delays and reviews and challenges in the NFL are out of control. I feel like I'm watching a referees convention occasionally broken up by a football game. Now, as far as I understand, the ratings, especially during the day, are pretty good this year, but the Twitter story seems to be officiating. Is there any real concern about that? Because I'm kind of with Jason. It's like with this the new review rules, every big play, I'm waiting to see if there's a flag or they're going to review it. It feels choppier than ever. Is there any real concern about that from a sort of product standpoint? I think there there should be. I mean, there isn't there isn't yet. Ratings have been good this season. They're they're up. But I think Jason also tweeted that the first half of that Redskins Patriots game was like a, you know an hour forty three minutes. I think he said. I mean, mm. that's that's absurd. If, it, if that's true, I I kind of fell asleep myself. <laughs> I can't uh, I can't confirm it. But uh, yeah, and it's not even just the big plays. Like okay, maybe a big play every now and then. But it just seems like. It's, you know, relatively, I don't say meaningless, there's no meaningless plays, but just sort of really we need a review on this. And a lot more of the offensive pass interference, which I'm not saying that shouldn't be called, but it's interesting to to see that. At least I don't know if anyone's done any tracking, but it seems like there's just a lot more offensive pass interference being called this season as well. And that also, I imagine, is it's slowing everything down. And yeah, at some point, Fans like anything else, they, they get they get sick of it. I mean, for now, they can we can all complain about it on social media and work off our our aggravation. But maybe at some point, just sort of start to lose interest. Like play the game already. Yeah, like there was this emphasis on offensive holding, especially on run plays. There is nothing more boring than a two yard run. And the Redskins, you know, your Redskins are the king of that. I mean, yeah. Case Keenum, the first four games, I thought that they just automatically had him in first and twenty. Because they would just do a, a terrible two-yard run. And by the way, every run they have is a two-yard run. And then right. there would be a hold. I'm like, how do you hold on a two-yard run? The play lasted a, a second and a half. But the, did you notice that with the Redskins? Like, every play was a holding? It seems that way. And, and, and Dan often says, too, it's like, if you want, you can call a holding on every play. Yeah. I mean, and it just seems like there has to be some line here of what, what holding is and and what isn't and and I guess uh, annoyingly if they're being consistent about this and this is the new the new world then yeah no no one's gonna it'd be like it's like watching you know the same things of why we get turned off to baseball after every pitch the pitcher has to step off the mound play with the ball it's like twenty you know seconds between pitches or whatever it is and you know football needs to be I would think a little careful they don't want to suddenly become baseball in terms of pace. Yeah, I mean, the Packers-Cowboys on Sunday night had 20 flags and went till I think, 7.58 Eastern at least, uh, which sort of probably gutted the ratings for Football Night America's pregame show. But that's besides the point. Do you think there's any worry? Uh, one thing I noticed in the NFL, it's you got a little whiff of tanking this year. Obviously, everyone knows the Dolphins are tanking. I think the Bengals and the Redskins are going to sure think about tanking now. Uh, it's, you know, it's become a real top-heavy league where you have your your glamour teams like the Cowboys and the Packers and I think the Eagles and the Chiefs and there you could go that list but then you have all these sort of bottom feeders like the Redskins um I guess it doesn't really matter the overall health of the NFL but is is this something that you could see sort of trending in a negative direction I just don't think tanking is good for 
for any sport. You know, I just, I, I think it's kind of an insult to the fans. I mean, I, I, I understand the, the, the strategy, but especially in football, I mean, you've got, there's only 16 games and only eight of those are home games. And so you're telling your fans for those eight games, Hey, we're just going to go out there and put out a, a crappy product. And, and that, you know, we don't really care. We're trying, you know, we're, we're you know, even for, we may not be trying to lose, but we're not killing ourselves to win because we're going to, bank on getting a big draft pick the next year. And I'm just thinking, boy, if I'm that player, why, why would I want to go to Miami? Why would I want to go to Washington for that, for that matter? Well, yeah, but look at the Redskins, for example, in the sort of Daniel Snyder era, they've had a lot of seven and let's see these records. Uh, you know, they've had a lot of sort of seven and nine, nine and seven records. That's pretty bad. They were seven and nine last season, seven and nine the year before that, eight and seven the year before that, nine and seven the year before that. So, I kind of understand. I might, I might rather be two and fourteen than seven and nine for four straight years because then you're never, you're never going to get anywhere. So, which, are you sure that you don't want the tanking as a Redskins fan? Well, I mean, they're doing it for me whether I want it or not. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I don't think they're trying to tank. No, I understand that. But but if you're tanking every year, I mean, it's true. The Redskins are a sort of special level of mediocrity. Uh, this season aside, they always manage to give you a little hope. Like last year, <laughs> get off to a six to three start. You you get this little taste of hope, and then it all comes crumbling down. I guess I wouldn't feel as bad about the tanking, and why the tanking concerns me is that I don't believe that management will be able to do anything better or improve just because they have better, you know, a higher pick. This is not a team that is necessarily shown itself to have good good management and a good general manager and a sound structure so yeah that to me it's just yeah i'm just like great great we'll, we'll screw over some other poor kids here <laughs> yeah <laughs> they had a little run with scott McLuhan, by the way but that didn't quite work yeah. out okay uh now i'm going to ask you to put on purely get the fan hat off and now you're going to go to the professional tv reporter fan give me uh for somebody who doesn't follow it closely how is watching the NFL going to be different in three years than it is today on an average Sunday? Well, I think there's going to be, I mean, especially as the technology gets there and people are more used to sort of interactive elements, uh, I think on screen, I mean, we'll see, maybe, you know, this is sort of my far out scenario. There'll be, there'll be a lot more interactivity with, with regards to gambling. On the screen, Ooh, okay. now, maybe you'll have a choice as a viewer to opt in and opt out. I certainly hope so. I don't personally need to see constant bets I can make on a screen, but I imagine we will get there. Um, you know, the production values are only going to go up. I mean, I think that's why stadiums are spending all this money to do all this sort of cool stuff, turn their stadiums into shopping malls with 5G and everything else there. I mean, what happened to just you go and watch a game? But they're doing that because the at-home experience is getting so much better. So I'll be most curious, like I said, to see the gambling aspects. I'm also just as a, a fan going to be curious to see the next round of TV packages and negotiations and what happens with, say, Sunday ticket, yeah. you know, the direct TV package where you can get all the games. I did an interview with the COO of AT&T the other day, and he may have just been negotiating early in the press, but he was kind of indicating that, Sunday ticket is not as important to them as it once was. And if that club was up for grabs, you know, maybe finally folks who don't have direct TV will be able to 
access any game they want, um, you know, through their own cable system or the NFL will do its own direct to consumer service. Uh, so those are the kind of main things I, I look at. I mean, I do think the product on TV for the most part, you know, it's pretty hard to, you know, hard to beat. I mean, in terms versus sitting yeah. in the stands. Well, what do you think of this? Will we have, um, okay. I know about direct TV, obviously, uh, they, uh, own and operate the Dan Patrick show. What about the yeah. sort of Fox ESPN, CBS model. Um, do you think it's, you know, things are way different, obviously Sunday ticket has changed my life, but in some ways it still feels like when, uh, I was watching Dick Vermeil and the Eagles, it really is, you know, it's CBS and now it's Fox. And there's just like those core network experiences. Is there ever going to be a tech company that is going to be like one of the four networks that has the NFL? Well, it's funny. I mean, I think it will happen, but not as fast as other as, as some analysts who cover this space think it will happen. I think the NFL is very conscious of the the broad based entertainment that they provide to the broadcast networks and in return the big checks that they get for them. And I don't think they want to make games difficult or harder for fans to see. I mean, Thursday Night Football is already streaming on Amazon but it's also on Fox and NFL Network. So I think we might see more of those sorts of things. And maybe at some point, a package will go to an Amazon or, or YouTube. But I think we're a ways away from seeing a Sunday night, uh, you know, a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night football being put on one of those packages. And I guess one of the reasons why I think that is, I'm sure you could get an Amazon or someone else to pay the money for it. You'd get this, this big paycheck. But if the audience then suddenly dropped off, you're not going to get that paycheck again from them. And good luck going back to your old broadcast. Ah. You just screwed over. I mean, you know, suddenly you're a little bit in the barrel. So, you know, you, that's the risk you run. I mean, if you look at baseball, the audiences are so small in large part because I think they, they fragmented it too much. I mean, the NFL is very savvy about how they do this. They keep managing to up their right speed and not, Hmm. totally alienate a fan base by putting games on weird outlets or anything. Well, it's funny because I have a bunch of friends who work on that Yahoo show. And, you know, if you don't have exclusivity, it doesn't really matter. You're right. It's like it's on Fox and NFL Network. The only times that, like, the streaming really comes into factor, don't they, did they in the past show a London game just on Yahoo at 9 in the I morning? They did, they did that once, yeah. yeah. And that I was a big remember. deal. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the audience, I, I can't recall now off the top of my head, but I did write about But yeah, that was a big a big deal at the time, And um, except in the home markets. That's right. I remember that. Got it. Right. So it was on TV in the home markets, but on Yahoo, everywhere else. And, and I, you know, I don't think it did super, you know, super great. I'm sure it set a record for Yahoo. But it was also back when those games were on at 6.30 in the morning out here and 9.30. You know, that's one of the smarter things the NFL did, that, put the London games on with all the other games because they realized 9.30 in the morning wasn't working for them. But, yeah, I mean, maybe a one-off here and there. But yeah, Well, like I the just, Facebook with baseball, they they try it, and it's a that's annoying. I have some friends who are baseball fans who get really annoyed when it's a Facebook-only game. Okay. You, yeah. But, uh, all right, so, by the way, as we're talking, <laughs> the Redskins announced that Jake Gruden was not fired for cause. I don't know what that means. But it's, <laughs> I guess that means that, that that he didn't like uh, you know mishandle an expense report or something. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not for cause. It's more of like a mercy kill. I think is what yeah. they're trying to say. Uh, and Bruce Allen, of course, is a team president. I, I 
I'm not going to bring up the Josh Doxson draft pick, by the way. I could do a whole podcast on how bad that was or yeah. the Trent Williams situation or a, a lot of things. Um, but anyway. Or Colt McCoy. I mean, nothing against Colt, but I was saying on Twitter the other day, if your offense is so complex that the only person who can run it is a journeyman who spent six years on your bench, then maybe your quarterbacks aren't the problem. Yeah, it's always yeah. like Green's like, well, these guys don't know the offense yet. <laughs> well, maybe your offense is the problem, Ben. Well, I was going to say, I said earlier in the podcast, you know, Adrian Peterson and Vernon Davis are pretty dangerous combination in 2011. Unfortunately, it's 2019. <laughs> so that is, a, that is not quite working out. I mean, by the way, everyone looks at the quarterback. Their run game and defense has been so spectacularly bad. Their run game has been just awful. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel bad that uh, you know they they've had some injuries there as well. And Peterson, no, he can't carry that load anymore. Yeah. I, I do feel bad. I I will step up to defend Vernon. He he's still out there, you know, doing it. But yeah, no, he's they need to cut ties also with with Reed with Jordan Reed. They just, I mean, it's sad. I think Jordan Reed needs to retire. He does. Uh, it's just you know, it's just not. It's, it's dangerous at this point. And also it holds the team hostage a little bit because I think yeah. they're going to have a weapon there and they're just not, uh, you right. know, earlier, by the way, I was at in Philly week one and the Redskins were up 17, nothing case Keenum hit a bomb to Terry McClure. And I'm like, this is happening. Finally, the Redskins have figured it out and, and my man case Keenum is going to lead him to the promised land. And then, then it just all went back. Although, I feel like they, by the way, they never should have gone away from Case. He would have led them back in that in that fourth game because he always needed a quarter to figure out who these guys he's thrown to were. He came back against the Bears. He would have come back. Who is the, that terrible? It was the Giants. Yeah, he would have come back in that one. But I'm biased, so you can't listen to me, Joe. Well, I do think that the Bears game is interesting. I think if he, you know, they were making a comeback, and if he hadn't done that, <laughs> fourth and one dive over the top. You're not at the end zone. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> they, they might have been able to at least, you know, they were, they were making a run, but uh, yeah, no, the Eagles, they gave me a, ha- uh, almost a full half of like, Oh my God, we're, we're a team. And then, well, how about and you know, Sunday? They were ahead on the Patriots on that very lucky right. end around. That was the first time I think the Patriots had trailed all season. Like, Ooh, look at this, a little life. Steven yeah, Sims, exactly. whoever the heck that is. And that's the other thing, too. The other thing, I did notice in week one, I'm watching the game, and, like, the first pass goes out to, is it Jeremy Sprinkle, the tight end? And then, like, yeah. then they're, like, thrown to some, like, Trey Quinn and all these guys. I'm like, these guys are not NFL players that they are throwing through. Like, who are these people? <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is just not an NFL roster. Like, Jeremy Sprinkle could walk into any room right now, and unless he announced he was a Redskins tight end, he, no one would know. Come on. But it's a great name. It, it is a great. Game. All right, keep your head up, Joe. Uh, we right. will talk soon. Thanks for the uh, thanks for uh, venting on the pod. Appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's really interesting that there might be on-screen betting, in-game betting. You keep hearing about that. I haven't seen a lot of that. I've heard a lot more betting buzz this year, but mostly still pre-game. Uh, I think. I think Joe might be a little conservative on how much it's going to change with the streaming companies because I think that tech companies are going to want a bigger presence and exclusivity. For example, do you agree with me, me right, Mario, that yeah. if the if a game is on Yahoo on Thursday night, but you can also get it on Fox NFL Network, you're going to watch it on the broadcast TV, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier to access a TV, I think, for people, yeah. especially older people who are not in... 
Well, even if you're a cord cutter, you still probably have some sports package, you know, yeah, YouTube yeah. TV. So I don't know that you really would need that. Uh, okay. Well, that was a more reasoned approach to the Redskins. Now to turn to a very funny man for a more emotional reaction to what's happening in Washington. All right, it's my pleasure to have on Mark Ellis, good friend of the Dan Patrick Show, was, of course, I di- you actually didn't say it, I don't think, but you have you seen Todd Fritz, my back row mate, perform stand-up comedy before, Mark? I have sat in the world-famous comedy store in the back. We call them the Mitzi seats, uh, and I watched Todd do his set, and I actually had the privilege of hanging out with Todd before his set and kind of giving him some pointers just about how the original room works because it's it's known as the toughest room in comedy and so i wanted to give him just kind of the lay of the land a little bit and give him some last words of wisdom and and i was impressed with Todd. i I gotta be honest i know it's it's you know it's not an easy thing to get up there so i thought todd adjudicated himself very well well i'm gonna disagree with you there because i've seen him several times i saw him almost (laughs) shut down caroline's with silence it was so bad but (laughs) You know, it's, I listen to Mark Maron's WTF podcast a lot. He talks about the history of that room a lot. Now, do you know any of the guys? Did they go on strike in the late 70s because stand-up comics didn't get paid basically anything? And, yeah, and since so, then, have guys gotten paid? Yeah, so so basically it was uh, it was the late 70s, and the, the there was a strike because Mitzi didn't want to pay the comics. She gave the comics a room to work, and she looked at it as an artist colony, as a workshop, and she didn't want to put payment into that equation and the comics were like well look we're you know this is how we want to make our living and so they they came to some sort of arrangement and today when you're a comic at the comedy store you do get paid uh for for every set you do what you do is you achieve a status called being becoming a paid regular at the comedy store and that means that your name is on the wall outside and you can make a little bit of bucks when you're on stage in the original room, and then next door is the main room, and that's where that's where you can really make a good paycheck. That's where you show up to get your checks. And and if you had a couple of main room spots, you say, "Oh, good, I uh, I'm taking myself to Arby's today. This is <laughs> this is a good week." Wait, and uh, how often are you there at the Comedy Store? I am there. I mean, I kind of consider the Comedy Store my home. Um, that's where. I really started hitting the open mic heavy when I first moved to L.A. to be a comic. I still perform at the Laugh Factory and the Improv all the time, but the Comedy Store is kind of my hangout. And so any week that I'm in town, I am usually at the Comedy Store. Um, and it's just it's, it's a great place to, to hang out with other comics. And, you know, funny enough, I'm in a fantasy league that is the Comedy Store Fantasy League. So... Um, fantasy football has really gotten me through um, <laughs> the the last you know ten fifteen years of being a Redskins fan. Oh, okay. We'll get to the Redskins in a second. Quick question: uh, Do some name dropping. Like, have you uh, who who has performed on the same night as you have at the Comedy Store? Who dropped in for a set? Oh, I mean, literally every every comic you can think of. Uh, you know, Robin Williams, uh, Dave Chappelle. I I actually had. The unique pleasure of uh, it just, you know, sometimes, you know, things work out when comics drop in and you don't know who you're going up against or, or who you're going up before or after. I had to follow Chris Rock <laughs> three nights in a row. What? Three nights in a row in L.A. I had to follow Chris Rock because he was popping in everywhere because he was hosting the Oscars the next week. And so 
I, it was awesome being around the scene then because you saw Chris Rock three months before he was hosting the Oscars take a 45-minute chunk of raw material and slowly chisel that down to the 10-minute opening monologue that would be what he put on TV at the Oscars. And so once that, once that baby was honed in, he was crushing on stage. And two nights in a row at the Comedy Store, and then a third night I had a set at the Improv, and guess who pops in right before me? Chris Rock. And I I, I will say that I did, I I had a much better time following him the third night than I did the first night. So every set is a learning lesson, and and I learned a lot in those three nights. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Okay, so we're talking to Mark Ellis, whose special comes out November 18th. And what's the special called again? Uh, it's called Dog Stepfather. I am the, the, the stepfather of a Beagle Boston Terrier named Molly, and she's been a big part of my life for the last five years. So I figured I'd honor her with the uh, naming the special after her. Taped it in Chicago uh, or earlier this year, and I'm, I'm so excited for it to get out. Okay, you can follow Mark at Mark Ellis Live. Find out all about that. Okay, so I called you about the Redskins. Uh, is it are they funny sad like you know as a comedian how do you view this scene as a comedian <laughs> it's turning all of us redskins fans it, it's kind of like what what happened to joaquin phoenix and the joker like like we're, we're <laughs> no get out of here laughing and turning into this sad clown right before our eyes it's funny because waking up this morning the day that jay gruden was fired i got so many texts from from friends. It was, it was like I just got out of the hospital, Andrew, and, and everybody's like wishing me well. And I, I never root for people to get fired. This is kind of like a policy I have. But, uh, you know, being a comic does help because every night you're on stage, <laughs> it is, is somewhat of a therapy session. And you have to laugh to keep from crying when it comes to this football team. There's, there's no other option. I have something that's very funny, by the way. I want to try out some material on you. Is that okay? Hit me. Okay, this is called the this is called the Washington Redskins depth chart, and I'm just going to read it out loud. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, running back Adrian Peterson. Oh my gosh, that was uh, that has not been working for about five years. Then you got Chris Thompson, who tries so hard. Wendell Small. But look at these receivers: Terry McLaurin, who has been hurt; Stephen Sims Jr., uh, Trey Quinn, uh, Cam Sims. This is this is Paul Richardson. Calvin Harmon, this is not a professional NFL team receiving core. And I got to tell you right now, Paul Richardson Jr. killed Dwayne Haskins on a jump ball that he should have gotten and got picked off because your number one receiver cannot be five foot nine. And also, Trey Quinn killed my guy Case Keenum because your number one receiver can't run a 4740 and not get into the long ball. So I think the receivers, people are not talking about how bad this group is, Mark. No, they, I mean, we, we are a long way removed from the posse of Art Monk, Gary Clark, and Ricky Sanders. You know, I mean, that's forever. It's what Redskins fans have clung to in this last 20-year drought, really since Dan Snyder bought the team, is we always had our history. You know, we always had those three Super Bowls in 10 years with three different quarterbacks under Joe Gibbs. And at this point, I know that you, amongst everybody the Dan Patrick show, are the most, uh, you know, drawn to Star Wars and things like that. Yeah. This feels like in The Force Awakens, the, Luke Skywalker is just a myth. 
Like, it's people don't even know he actually existed. That's how I feel about our Super Bowls. It's like this mythology that is so far removed from mm. where we currently are. It's like it never even really happened. I mean, Doug Williams might as well be King Arthur at this point. We do not know <laughs> if he ever actually existed. Was there a real King Arthur? I don't even know. There was not. I, I think that it's an amalgam of different things. Mm. There, you know, there might have been some crazy dude who lived on the edge of town named Merlin, and I guess that would be our Mark Rippin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who's your Lancelot? Is that uh? I, our, our, our Lancelot has got to be Riggins. Riggins, man. yeah, I mean, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, in, in my I mind, would, Riggins I, so, r- runs in slow motion down the sideline. That is John Rick. I will always see him as that guy. <laughs> it's I was I was born in 1980, so I miss being a millennial for oh. six months. And my my old man was in the Air Force, and he but he grew up in Oxon Hill, Maryland, which is like you know, kind of the inner city right next door to RFK Stadium. Right. And so I've had the Redskins in my blood since I was born. And, you know, there's famous stories of my dad on his hands and knees watching Super Bowl 17 during the fourth and one call. And, and Theismann hands off to Riggins and he bursts through. We win that game. Super Bowl 22 is the first game that I remember watching. And that was where the Redskins get down to the Broncos, 10 nothing in the first quarter. I remember my parents were at the game. So my grandparents were watching this. My grandfather got so upset that he took my sister and my brother outside to go play basketball. <laughs> and I sat there, and me and my grandma, we watched the greatest second quarter in Super Bowl oh my history. Gosh. And so as a Redskins fan, I'm thinking, oh, this is how it's always going to work. We're always, it doesn't matter how far down we are, we're always going to pick ourselves up and win the day. And it just has not happened in so long. And the biggest issue with being a Redskins fan today, Andrew, is that we do not know where the light at the end of the tunnel is because we're not going to see it for a long time. No, you're really not. Uh, We were at RFK Stadium recently. We were doing some shoot with the soccer team in Washington. It looks like something at the original uh, Redskins. It looks like it's out of Planet of the Apes right now. It is so decayed. (laughs) And by the way, the current stadium, I was at there about three years ago for a game. I'm like, wow, this this stadium feels really dated. FedEx field. (laughs) Like, this does not look like... weird? Yeah. That was the new toy, man. I remember when that place opened in 97, we went and it was like, it was a celebration of this new era of Washington Redskins and really NFL football because everybody was excited about FedEx Field at the time. But I got to tell you, I'm performing in D.C. in, uh, I think it's November 16th is my date there. I'm flying in a couple days early because I haven't been back to D.C. in a minute. And I'm going to take the train to RFK Stadium just because I want to be there one more time because mm. my old man had he had two nosebleed season tickets wow. to go see the Redskins in their Glorious section five twenty six, uh, row eleven, seat nine and ten. And I just want to walk around the stadium and just feel what I felt as a kid because it seems like ever since the Redskins left RFK, it, a lot of that magic got left behind. It's it's funny because I actually compare RFK Stadium to the Comedy Store where. It's not the this bright, shiny temple. It's not this palace. It's kind of a dingy-looking place from the outside. But when you get in there, it's there's a magic that is in there that, that the people brought to it and that the team brought to us. And I think that all Redskins fans, the reason why we still show up and we still watch every Sunday is because we're hoping to get some – measure of that relic of magic that that we had when it was the late 80s early 90s and it's what what everybody still thinks is funny to me and i don't is 
the RG3 season because the RG3 season in 2012, people say, I can't believe you lost that many draft picks and you, you sunk your team for, you know, five years after that. That RG3 season was the only time that I have felt the Washington magic mm. in a long time because I, I would take that season over anything else that I've seen in, in 20 years of being a Redskins fan. That was, by the way, RG3 is a scrambler. It's, I think he's a little bit underrated. Like, Lamar Jackson's getting all this attention now. When he took off, I've never seen anybody outrun defensive guys like him. When he was healthy, he was ridiculous, right? <laughs> he was. And actually, I think it's great that Lamar Jackson has RG3 as a mentor yeah. to, to basically tell him what not to do. Don't do what I do. a quarterback yeah. who has to run and throw. Here's here's the really sad thing is it is it more often than I'd like to admit if I'm on the road and I come back to the hotel and I and I crack a beer open I will sometimes drift on YouTube and I will watch RG3's run mm -hmm. against the Vikings in overtime when he turned a corner against the Vikings yeah. and he is gone I mean it is unbelievable to watch and that was every time that guy was under center we felt like we had a chance to win and and, and that's the thing that. I mean, Patriots fans are just so. Sp I was watching yeah. the game yesterday with a couple of Patriots fans, and they're just—they know how spoiled they are, and they're enjoying every second of it. But every time you have a quarterback that you believe in under center, it's—it's—it's it's, it's a feeling that is so far removed from any current Redskins fan. We just don't know what that's like anymore. I totally get you. Um, okay, I'll leave you in a second here. Let me ask you, which is, which is your favorite draft pick of this? These. Are you a Josh Doxson fan, first-round pick in 2016? <laughs> I believe he's in Minnesota now. Uh, are you yeah. a Preston Smith fan, who actually looks really good? Uh, he was a second-round pick, looks really good this year for the Packers. Uh, that didn't quite work out. Are you, uh, are you a fan of the Josh Norman or Landon Collins signing? Which is your favorite blunder move, <laughs> the Redskins at last? Or are you more like the, the 2000s when they would sign like Dion and guys like that every year? Well, you, you hit me with Josh Doxson right off the bat, so I thought we were going to go back to Rod Gardner and Michael Westbrook and all these other Oh, Westbrook did not work that out. We, that we whiffed on. I have a, I have a Michael Westbrook jersey still. Uh, and, I I mean, of all of those guys, I really like what Preston Smith is, is doing right now. I wish it was for our team, but yeah. he, uh, he really does. He's got a great football mind. I think his football acumen is so high. Uh, with, with Doxson, I mean – you know, he made a couple plays for us last season, but he just was not that consistent wide receiver. His hands were consistent. And, you know, it, it's just been – it's been so many misfires like that, which is why as as people are going to rightfully so criticize Jay Gruden, this problem with the Redskins is systemic. And it's much higher than the head coach. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I – to be honest, Mark, I think that's kind of obvious at this point. I don't, I don't think anyone – sees it any differently. I think this is an organizational issue, uh, you know, but people do point out and do buy the argument that Scott McLuhan and Jay Gruden had a little bit of success. They brought in some good players, but McLuhan couldn't really work out. So even if you get the right GM and coach, even if Nick Saban or somebody comes in next year, do you think any coach could save this team? Oh God. I mean, if, when you say Nick Saban, all I think about is a, is a coach making the leap from college to the NFL, and I just start start seeing Steve Spurrier. Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, that's what people are there, and everyone says, "Oh, Lincoln Riley, he's not coming to Washington." Uh, probably not. I, 
I wonder if they're going to go in the Zorn direction again, where they just sort of settle oh, on something. Oh, jeez. If I'm, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I am looking – I'm watching every Dallas Cowboy game because yeah. I'm waiting to see Jason Garrett throw the wrong challenge flag again <laughs> because I, 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 you know that Jerry is just – he had he's kept Jason Garrett installed as a figurehead until he gets the sexiest college coach he can possibly get. So I think that is going to be where Lincoln Riley eventually ends up. And for the Redskins, I you you just don't know who else is out there that wants to work under that current regime. Here's my the, the thing that I've been railing against for three four years is that the Redskins are always by far the most injured team in the league. Yeah. And so I really think that we need to take a hard look at whatever our training staff, our training methods, something is wrong in the water in D.C., and it's getting our players hurt. That's what needs to be looked at. Okay, uh, one last question from a comic standpoint. What is the funniest thing in the NFL? I'll give you a couple choices. Is it sort of Andy Reid in general, the whole Andy Reid thing, the Gardner Minshew mustache, Jerry Jones, who everyone loves to impersonate? What is like the most consistent source of comedy I'm putting you on the spot here, but what's the most consistent source of comedy in the NFL these days? It's very funny. You let off with Andy Reid because my go-to moment, it's, it's maybe the greatest thing. It's the reason why oh, I know exactly where you're going. Andy Reid's punt passing. Yes. Competition. I saw it the other day. Somebody tweeted out. I've tweeted it out before when he's towering over that little kid and they spelled Reid wrong. It's the best. <laughs> The mu- his mustache back then makes him look older than Gardner Minshew Gardner Minshew today. <laughs> I mean, it is it's it's so hilarious. Uh, I I feel bad for the kid, but I think it's a really weird injury that Sam Darnold is out with mono. That's like, good. What, what 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 kind of weird elementary school is this that we we our quarterbacks can be lost to mono now? And then obviously I hate the Dallas Cowboys with a passion because I'm a Redskins fan, and so. Anytime I get to, I, every time they have a cutaway to Jerry Jones in the booth, I think it's either Emperor Palpatine or Snoke from Star Wars. He oh, yeah. always looks like he's about to have some sort of hologram teleconference <laughs> with Darth Vader or Kylo Ren. Absolutely. By the way, I'm sorry. I've lost it. I pulled up the Andrew, Andy Reid uh, punk pass again. He's wearing number 34 for some reason. And the kid, <laughs> the kid next to him is wearing 22. It says Andrew Reid, R-I-E-D from Los Angeles, California, December 13th, 1971. It is, you're right. It's a great, I'm also a big fan. You ever see when people dress up babies as Andy Reid? That's good too. The, the guy who shows up to Chiefs games as Andy Reid, oh. like, like I want to, I, I want to rent that guy for a birthday party. Yeah. I just want to have Andy Reid. I, I want to put that Andy Reid versus the guy who's Ditka at the Bears games and just have a show with them. That that would be my new daily talk show. Is Andy Reid and Mike Ditka? Oh, I am so going to sign in for that. All right. Well, I am sorry about your Redskins, but happy about everything else and can't wait for your new special. <laughs> Mark, uh, just keep watching every Sunday. It sounds like you're hooked to some bad football now. You don't really have a choice, do you? I, I really do want to write a book about how I, I don't know how to get out of being a Redskins fan. Like yeah. I would love to just I would love to just drop the Redskins and become a Packers fan <laughs> or become a, a Seattle Seahawks fan. I just it's too ingrained in my blood at this point, Andrew. It's a it's a curse I'm going to live with the yeah. rest of my life. And um, I appreciate you giving me the the therapy session yeah. to vent for a little bit. They keep pulling you back in. Sorry about that, buddy. Hey, at least you got <laughs> the uh, Nationals. No, they're about to lose. You got the Wizards. No, that's not so good. Oh, you guys okay, won in hockey. 
here, here's what I have. I, ha- I have the cats, and I am a proud graduate of Wake Forest University. I'm a Demon Deacon, and right now we are 5-0 and uh, in the current football season. So they're getting me through. Wow. Did you, uh, were you there with Chris Paul or any of those guys? I, I was there. Uh, my, my last year was Chris Paul's first year. I was there during the Josh Howard era. I got to play horse one time with Tim Duncan. Um, I think oh. my favorite athlete in history is Randolph Childress. I've never seen an attitude yeah. like that on an underdog before. Randolph Childress has informed so much of my stand-up comedy mentality. Yeah. He's like the one guy. He's, he's always around Wake, and we just haven't crossed paths yet. He's the one guy that I would be very nervous to talk to in person. If I ever get a chance to meet Randolph Childress, I'll post a picture, and you're going to know how nervous I was to be right there because that guy meant so much to me growing up. Oh, I love it. I'm a huge fan of all those guys. Did Duncan just go to the bank shot every time in, in horse? He must have, right? That's his thing. <laughs> I, I got an H on it because, because I, hit it, I hit a deep three, and, and, and Timmy missed it. And then once he goes to the, the bank shot is an underrated shot in horse. If you can hit a bank shot, that mid-range jumper that he had, it's, it, it, it's an impossible shot to replicate in horse. So I know that and then, you've gotten a lot of reps in recently. I, I, next time I'm, I'm on the East Coast, I think you and me versus any other two, yeah. Dan Etz or anybody else in that crew, from, from long range, nobody's touching the ellis off combination. Absolutely. Dan's a pretty good outside shooter. That's a problem. But, uh, yeah, by the way, the, <laughs> you know, that bank shot worked in the NBA Finals, too, not just a horse game. But, all right. All right, Mark, we'll talk to you later when the Redskins get this all figured out. Okay, buddy? Hey, I appreciate it, Andrew. I'll see you next time you guys are out here. Oh, man, it's great to talk to some unhappy NFL fans. It makes you feel better about your situation. I'm very curious what the Redskins do. <laughs> there's, so, there's a lot of Twitter stuff about their next coach. Someone said, Ryan Rosillo said, how about Sean McVay comes home? Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. If Sean McVay leaves Los Angeles for Washington, he's out of his mind. Of course, everyone is throwing out Lincoln Riley. I don't think that's going to happen. Ryan Day, the Ohio State coach, used to coach Dwayne Haskins. We'll see. He's got a pretty good situation up there. I think it's going to be tough to get any of those guys right now because the Redskins are a true rebuild and they don't have that much draft capital. So I think that's going to be tough. I'm going to tell later this week, I'll talk to Case Keenum and I'll wish him the best there. I hope he gets back on the field and does well. Maybe, you know, as a veteran, I'm not sure that's the best situation long term, but we'll see. Things come around full circle in the NFL, right, Mario? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's some really bad teams, man. If you watch the <laughs> Jets, Eagles, this like, what do you do? By the way, okay, this is just you and me and the people on podcast. Mm-hmm. I've been looking for a Halloween costume for the guys. Okay. You know, every year I come up with a good yep. one. And uh, I was leaning towards 2014 Chicago Bears coach Mark Tressman. But now I'm thinking I'm going to be the pump, pass, and kick Andy Reid. And I'm looking at it now. <laughs> Do not tell it, Mark. You can't tell anyone. And That's really anyone who's listening to this, you cannot say this. But I think that'll be awesome. Thanks to Mark Ellis. I also want to thank Joe Flint from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Ross and Redskins, as bad as they are, they provide good content. That'll do it for Against the Grain. Make sure you rate, review, and definitely subscribe. We will talk to you later.